0: This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new book, California, America's High Stakes Experiment, our guest today, Peter Schrag, takes on the state's big issues, immigration, globalization, and the impact of the state's politics on its quality of life. Schrag is a contributing editor at Columnist at the Sacramento Bee and the author of many books, including Paradise Lost, California's Experience, America's Future, and Final Test, The Battle for Adequacy in America's Schools. Peter Schrag, welcome to Weekly Signals.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? (laughs)
1: <laughs> so far, so good. Okay. Are, are but day's just starting. <laughs> yes, yeah.
0: You never can tell what's yes, what's going to happen right. next. Now, are, are you up in Sacramento? Is that where you're located? No, I'm in
1: I'm in Oakland. I live in Oakland. Okay.
0: And and uh, you know, it's it's you've had an amazing career, and I, you're really one of the best writers. I, I as far as California politics and insight into what's going on that I've I've found. I've always enjoyed your columns. You've been writing for thirty years.
1: Yeah, and that, and actually, I'm I I just stopped writing for the Bee. I'm still writing a weekly column for a blog called the California Progress Report. Uh-huh. Yes, I, uh,
0: I I just subscribed to that. That's it what's the uh the email address on that too. not the email uh, the yeah. web address.
1: You, you uh, uh well I think if you just uh, if you just google California Progress Report you'll come to it.
0: Okay. Very good now. Now, what got you into uh to writing and and specifically what got you into political writing?
1: Oh, I don't know. I've been, you know, I've been a political character for, you know, <laughs> for, for for as long as I can remember. Uh-huh. I um, uh, you know, I, I began as a as a daily newspaper a reporter uh, in in El Paso, Texas, huh. back in the nineteen fifties, and uh, and you know and covered uh, some state politics and a lot of uh, local politics. Particularly, uh, I was covering city hall for a while, and uh, and that gave you you know gives you a pretty good taste of what uh, what local politics is like. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it seems to me that you know that if you really want to understand politics in this country, you really have to start at the local level because that's where it all begins.
0: Yes. I, I couldn't agree more. It, it gives you insight all the way up the ladder. I think when you,
1: that, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you know, as, as, we say, that's where the rubber meets the road, literally, literally. Yes. Often. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, and so, you know, and then uh, uh, I, you know, I've, 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 I've just, you know, I, I, it's just been something that has interested me. I, I've also been, I've also written a lot about schools and school politics, mm-hmm. and that's been my other big interest. Now, hey, go ahead. Mike. I just want
2: to make a quick observation because you yeah. mentioned local politics. Don't you find that it, in, in ways that you, I wouldn't have thought, possible that the effect of a good city government, good local government, the profound effect it can have on a community, and when you see uh, a, a city government gone off the rails, it's just such a dramatic difference. I, I have actually had some experience dealing with a very efficient city government, and I've seen the internal workings of well, not so efficient, and it has a tremendous impact.
1: You're absolutely right. But what I, what I don't know in those cases is which comes first, is it? Is it an electorate that's uh, that that has a certain amount of shrewd instincts uh, and that chooses a, a good city government, or is it the other way around, or is it in fact a kind of a a, a a circuit, a circle uh, yeah. where one where one basically enriches the other?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I vote for number two. Okay, I, I think it is. A, I think it is a circle. I think you can't. The electorate produces. The, uh, the the good leaders and and the leaders come from that good electorate. You know, there's this.
1: That's right, yeah. and they and they reinforce the and they re- and you know and 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 so you create a good kind of a, a good community atmosphere, quality of life.
2: Well, the reason uh, I make that point, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I mean, yeah. uh, the reason I make that point is because we often lose sight of the fact that government, and this is uh, I think central to the debate we're having nationally, that government actually. Can under the right circumstances have a very positive, and profound um, change in the in in uh, improve in, towards improvement in our lives. If
1: oh no, ab- absolutely, okay. and you know, and that uh, I think that's right, and 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 I think we're seeing that again um, at the national level, yeah. or we're just seeing mm-hmm. the hope of it at least at the national yeah. level. Yeah.
0: Now, now, from Texas, when did you come to uh, California? <laughs>
1: Uh, but the long way around. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, I, I from Texas. I first went back to New England, um, uh, where I'd gone to college, and and then I went to New York as a magazine editor for a, a few years, and then I uh, started a fr- a freelancing, doing a lot of freelance magazine writing and book writing for uh, magazines for you know for Harper's and yes. and the Atlantic and for the New Republic and whatnot. And then I f- finally came out here for what I thought was going to be a short time while I was working on another project. And then I w- and I got here in uh, 1971 or so. And wow. once I came, I never left.
0: Yeah, did Did it fascinate you? Is that why you stayed, or was it just a matter of uh, finding a home and settling down?
1: Well, it was a, it was a combination of things. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I, you know in California, uh, uh, you know. C- Certainly, in those days, it grows on you, mm-hmm. and 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 um, uh, I first came out. I first came out because I was getting tired of New England winters and shoveling snow off my roof, and and uh, so uh, and then I just as I say I came and I was thinking I'd be here for six months or a year, and I never went back. And um, and I, you know, I guess you, the answer is you get to like it and uh, I get to feel comfortable here. I for. for Several years, I still felt like an outsider, and then, uh, it, as I say, it, it begins to grow on you.
0: So you landed in California under the reign of Reagan, and and then uh, so,
1: that so, is right. Yeah. I re- landed in California under the reign of Reagan, um, and uh, uh, yes, briefly, and then and then I got blessed by Jerry Brown.
2: <laughs> now did you land in did you uh, were you always in the Sacramento area? Uh,
1: no, I no, I was in the Bay Area most of the most time. Most of the time, okay. Uh, and and uh I was here until I went to Sacramento as the as full-time uh, as as the what became the editorial page editor of the Sacramento Bee in in early 1978 about 6 months before Proposition 13. I kind of um grew into California politics with the Prop 13 battle. Wow. And, um, and then I, and I was there full-time until 1996, and then um, uh, started writing my weekly column after that.
0: Yes, We're speaking with Peter Schrag. His book is California, America's High-Stakes Experiment. And, and how does, uh, get real direct, how does Prop 13 uh, figure into this high-stakes experiment?
1: Well, it's <laughs> a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> a, 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 a great deal, uh, uh, though. I the, the reference in, in the high stakes experiment is actually much more uh, to the larger social and demographic conditions of the state. Yes. Uh, you know, we're we're, a, um, we're we're the we're the first we're the, we were the first big state to be a majority minority state. There no. now, Texas is now one too, I think. Uh, but we were the we were the first, and we we went through. Um, uh in the 70s, uh, just a lot of um, stress and strain um, around the immigration problem. As you recall, um, we had a uh, beginning of the 70s and going through the 90s so that, uh, and in, as you may remember, in 1994, uh, we passed Proposition 287, I may be getting my numbers wrong here at my uh, old age. Um uh, proposition, excuse me it's proposition 187 yeah um, that um, was sought to deny all kinds of all public services to illegal to undocumented immigrants including schoolchildren and uh, uh, which passed um, and was then struck down by the courts but obviously uh, a backlash to uh, immigration or at least illegal immigration uh, was a big thing in California in the 1990s uh, and as I say, it really goes back to the 70s because I think a lot of things uh, 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 grew for a long time. But I think we've, I have a sense now that in California uh, we're getting over that. I mean, and we're not not—we're not totally over it, but I think we're past uh, because we're so used to now having this great diversity of people here um, and and hearing a, uh, this great mix of languages and cultural styles and all the rest of it that, I think we we don't notice it anymore. And the kids, uh, people not my generation, but my next generation down, I think hardly notice that anymore. I mean, I think they they have, I mean, they all have friends of this, different ethnicities. They date across ethnic lines uh, and all of that, uh, which would have been uh, quite strange uh, 30 years ago. Uh, and I think it's now pretty much uh, normal. I mean, it's part, and but I think the rest of the country, um, is still going through that and you know, or going into it uh, which I think is why we have these terrible fights and uh, and we have backlash and now through the midwest and the southeast where people for the first time are seeing large numbers of particularly Latinos. Yeah. Um so that 's how that was the source of my interest in the the great experiment is is uh, are we are we a test case and and, and of course're we're, we're not totally through it we haven 't Totally, this experiment is not yet a total success, uh, and given what's going on in Sacramento in terms of the budget and politics and, and all of that, I think we're still, uh, we're still stuck in it. I've, I've, I, I'm a believer that, uh, and I think there's some evidence for this and some research evidence, that, um, that when you have an ethnically diverse society, um, the taxpayers are more reluctant to vote for generous public services And if you have a homogeneous society, because um, most people would much rather see their tax money and their uh, programs go to people who look like themselves or are like themselves or could be members of their family than they are to people who are not like themselves. And especially if they think that they're uh, people who don't even belong here.
2: Uh, Peter Schreck, uh, to me, uh, California, oftentimes it uh, reminds me of a sort of excitable uh, sibling or uh, an exci- exci- something something about our mentality, our makeup, makes us excitable. We can, in, on one hand, po- pass Proposition 187, and then for the next 10, 20, 15, probably be well beyond that, be a solidly democratic state. I mean, we look like we're going to be a blue state from now until the day we all are gone. Uh, and yeah. it's ba- basically a direct result of the passage of 187, which I recall passed at like a 60-40 rate. When it when it was passed. And there are a number of examples, as I look back over this sort of direct um, uh, the initiative process where we've taken some very radically, I'd say conservative might not be the right word, but radical right turns on 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 our ballot initiatives. But we are also when 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 we have a chance to settle down, be less excitable, we vote solidly Democratic, which seems to run counter to what we did uh, at the ballot box when it comes to these initiatives.
1: I think it's a very good observation, and, and you're right. And we've done, we've actually done both things at the ballot box. I mean, we've done, uh, we've passed some very liberal measures, um, uh, maybe in some cases foolishly liberal, mm-hmm. um, and we've also passed, as you said, some uh, very rigid uh, conservative measures. And and um, and I think we're, I, I think we're a little bit skizzy. The state, I think, is a little bit skitzy. And of course, part of the thing with the initiative process is that it's it's an ad hoc thing. You do, you vote on something and you don't see it in the larger context. Um, you don't know what the cost is or anything. It's sold to you. It sounds good, like, I don't know, stem cell bonds. You know, it'd be nice to do research on stem cells.
2: Um, we poured billions and, of dollars into the research of stem cells, didn't we, with that actually Yes,
1: yeah. absolutely. We're going to be paying paying it off for years. Um, well, and uh- and uh, even though... Uh, without and then without providing money to pay for it, and we, we've done that a number of times. Well, I'll give you a uh, great. Ex-
2: I'll give you an example, uh, which I think we're going to be paying for for decades to come. Which is uh, uh, three strikes. Uh, yes, three strikes absolutely. is already. We're now currently spending more money in on our prison absolutely. system than we are on our educational system and another staggering statistic is we've built 21 prisons in the last 20 years and we built one new university so we are our priorities because of this kind of paranoia about law and order in this in this state am i wrong about No uh,
1: you, you no you 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 you're mostly right as mark Twain said you're mostly right okay, <laughs> uh, all right uh, uh the you uh, uh, uh we are spending Almost as much on higher edu- on, on prisons as we are in high, higher education, at all education. Okay, um, uh, but but um, uh, uh, and yes, and of course we've we've gone crazy with with with, with prison stuff. And, and as you know, um, there's an on, there's a fight right now in, in Sacramento um, about um, how we're going to solve this horrendous uh, overcrowding prison overcrowding problem. Uh, we're on the heat is on from the courts. Uh, it's costing it's costing us a bundle. So there are, there are uh, bills in the legislature. That, the assembly just passed one yesterday um, uh, to reduce the prison population. But people are very much afraid to write to vote for strong uh, measures uh, for significant measures uh, to basically uh, release nonviolent prisoners or old old prisoners or whatever in order to reduce the overcrowding and. Uh, and uh, in the prisons, but they're very much afraid that uh, and they're right uh, that uh, some of these people will commit yet another crime and then they will be uh, they, they will uh, be subject to enormous political attacks for uh, like the Willie Horton thing back in right. the 80s, right. uh, 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 blaming them for releasing these of vicious people into the community.
2: Right. Well, but we release tens of thousands of prisoners every year from our prisons. That's right. You know, I know the argument. I understand it, that you can can scare somebody because, let's say you let a third striker who was a nonviolent third striker out, and he goes out and does something terrible. He will be the poster child, even though the argument is obvious, which is we release people all the time who recommit. Who re- re- yeah. reoffends. So uh, it, it, we, we, we need to be mature about these decisions. And we're at 100 and we were at 198 percent capacity in our prison system. We're almost double the capacity of what it should be. We have right. to do something. But going back to the original point, which is the consequences of direct uh, democracy, direct ba- uh, this ballot initiative, right. it does have consequences. We don't seem to understand it completely. And it is uh, co- complicating our – and it, when you try to tie it in with the legislature and their fiscal demands, w- with these ballot initiatives, we often allocate these things well into the future without any way to pay for them.
1: And, and, uh, no, absolutely. And, and, P, and, and as I say, the voters are, don't think about that. Yeah. They are, they're encouraged not to think about it right. by the sponsors. So, um, it's basically, gee, you can get this good thing and it costs you nothing. Uh, which is the way they're sold, and the, you know a lot of things are sold that way. Um, uh, uh, you know, and we call it ballot box budgeting in Sacramento, yeah. um, and 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 uh, and it's one of the things that's uh, caused the state's big uh, budget problems. Now is because uh, we have we're paying off this stuff. That's not the only cause, by it, but but certainly um, uh, the initiative process um, lends itself to uh... manipulation by uh... people who have the money to use it
0: we're speaking with peter shrag his book is california america's high-stakes experiment uh, so should we just uh... tone down the initiative process as it exists right now sometimes yeah. sometimes i'd like to see an initiative to end the initiative process
1: well, <laughs> that's, that there you're not the first to suggest that uh-huh. uh, and and you know there have been lots of there's been lots of discussion as you probably know about how you could uh, basically rein the initiative process you know make it more accountable uh, make the make the ballot measures more transparent so people would have a better idea of who's funding it right. uh, 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 there have been the, there's always talk about could we uh, somehow uh, prohibit uh, the use of paid signature gatherers, which we can't, because the courts say we can't do that. Um, it was tried in Colorado; Supreme Court struck it down, said no, that's interference with free speech. Um, so, um, uh, so, so a number of reforms have been proposed. Um, I think the the only one that it seems to me it really has a promise of, of of being useful will be something that. Uh, basically makes it absolutely clear uh, what these measures are, who's behind them, who's paying for them, and make that information very, very apparent. And we're trying, we're doing some of that, but we're not doing nearly enough.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a quick question um, about uh, where you think the, the direct democracy ballot initiative fits into the... Uh, what happened with the recall of Gray Davis and the and the election of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? How does that all factor into for you?
1: Well, it's, it's obviously part of the same direct democracy thing. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder how many voters who voted uh, who voted for the recall in uh, uh, in uh, uh, two thousand three um, are now saying. Well, we, have we really, are we any better off than we were then when we, when we kicked Gray Davis out? And, you know, uh, our budget problems are at least as severe, if not worse. Uh, the state is in much worse shape uh, fiscally. Um, uh, so uh, do we have a governor that is um, more, you know, that, 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 that is a better governor than the guy we kicked out uh, back six years ago? Uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah.
2: Well, I just want to ask you because at the time, uh, what sort of sparked the uh, recall uh, was the uh, car tax seemed right. to be sort of the impetus for what That's happened right. to Gray Davis. Now, if we right. kept the car tax, in fact, my understanding—correct me if I'm wrong—but Gray Davis's proposal was to put the car tax where it was under Pete Wilson's administration, That's right. and then there was just seemed to be just a, a wildfire to get rid of him at that point. If we had kept the car tax where it was, is there a reasonably is it reasonable to say that we wouldn't be in the financial situation, or at least not I, I, as bad as it is today?
1: Oh no, no, not at all, and it, we would be in much better shape. I mean, there are people who say, "Well, if we had the car tax, we'd be spending all that too," uh-huh. um, because these guys can't uh, them. keep themselves from spending money in Sacramento. But I think I think certainly we'd be in better shape. And you know, one of the things that happened in nineteen two thousand three, four when Schwarzenegger restored the car tax, um, uh was that uh, because of the commitment the state had made to the local governments which were getting all that money. Mm-hmm. I mean that car tax money all went to local governments. Uh and the state had committed itself uh to backfilling if the car tax were cut, which is of course when when Gray Davis cut it uh before he was you know Davis cut the car tax before he restored it, uh, and then of course Arnold cut it again. Mm. Um, but if but because of that commitment, the bookkeeping on that doesn't doesn't show up as a tax cut. It shows up as a spending increase mm. because we backfilled. Yeah. So uh, part of the increase in spending um, uh, after two thousand three was because of the backfill of um, oh. the state. Basically, was paying the money to the. Uh, to the local governments mm. so um, no I think it I, I think we certainly would be in better shape I've said that uh, maybe it maybe it's the car tax now uh, would be uh, would be yielding us about six billion dollars a year mm-hmm. uh, so if you can figure that out over the six year period um, uh, we would be much we would be in much better shape yeah. and and um, whether uh, you know, I'm sure the, state, the legislature would have spent some of that money, yeah. but I'm not sure that they would have spent. And the car tax never was an issue. It wasn't an issue until about 15 years ago, uh, maybe it was even less than that, when Virginia uh, got rid of its car tax. It was very popular in Virginia. And, and then there was a the guy who is now in Congress, uh, who was a legislator named Tom McClintock, mm-hmm. um, a, a big anti-taxer in, in California, um, and he basically made it an issue in California. It was never an issue before that. It was, uh, uh, it, you know, people had been paying the car tax happily since the 1930s, um, and 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 you know it didn't it didn't it, it I, I I can't recall it being an issue um, until Tom McClintock made it one. Mm.
2: Well. Are we going to succeed? Is the is the Great California Experiment in, a, in just a minute here that we have remaining? Are we going to make it? Are we are we going to? I it, want to know how we get out of it. Yeah, how do we get yeah, there? You go. How,
1: how do we how do we get out of this? Um, yeah. I I don't know. I think probably one of the things that I still still think my guess is that won't get us out of it, but it'll alleviate the situation. There are a lot of other states that are in the same situation, not as bad as California, most of them, but they are. And I think that one of the things that the administration, is, Obama administration is going to have to do is figure out some kind of stimulus package for the state. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think some of that may come back from Washington, but that still won't solve the basic structural problem California has um, with the two-thirds majority and the initiative process and all the other things that screw us up. Uh, and that, I, I you know, I don't know who's going to do that.
0: Do you think that would be the one step they could take that would most improve the state? Is that two-thirds majority ruling so we could
1: get? I, I think so. I think so. Not only because it would make it easier uh, to 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 get to go as it were, both on and it has to be both on taxes and on budgets. Mm-hmm. You can't do it on one and not the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, uh, I think that would be make the legislature much more accountable. Um, it would be much harder for uh, much easier for people. To know who's voting for a budget, and who's against it. Right now, it's just the legislature is doing it. What we don't know is that the basically a minority, in this case, the Republicans, are basically acting as a, a, a vetoing budget, uh, but they don't really get. They're not really accountable for that.
0: Yes. Well, the book is California, America's high stakes experiment. Peter Schrag, I want to thank you not only for all the great books you've written, but for all the wonderful articles you've given us. Uh, Thanks again for being on Weekly Signals.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan
2: Callahan, and I'm Mike Kaspar, and this is Weekly Signals.